0: All right, let's open up to uh, Exodus 33. Yes, Lord. Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you for what you're doing in this place and in this hour. Lord, I just invite your presence, your spirit to be with us. And let's, let's just take a moment, actually, because um, there's just silly little pieces of, uh, what you call it? Distraction. Oh, it's it's good now, it's good now. Just let it be. But as Jose said, right, this little technology demon, we're not going to focus on that, right? (laughs) All right, so the Lord has been um, speaking to me in these last three weeks where I've been off, I was off for two Sundays, although I was here, but off for two Sundays from speaking because my family and I were moving. And in that time, you know, you can just kind of like slow down a little bit. And I mean by slowing down, as my spirit man wasn't always just thinking about like what to preach, what to preach, and, and going before him. And in that time, I felt like the Lord uh, just did a series of significant events, or rather just had me come in contact with various different types of people. I felt like the Lord, in that little pause, in that Sabbath, in that Selah, right, that the Lord was speaking um, to me, and I believe in turn to... The congregation about about a, a, a realization that the Lord really wants to bring us to higher ground and he wants to do it for a reason he wants us to bring bring us into higher places with him and really that reason is in fact to be marked to be marked for him and be marked for a generation and this uh, made a lot of sense to me because when the Lord is speaking to me like this, uh, this past week or these last couple days was the festival of Purim, which is actually largely about a marking, a marking of a family, a marking of a woman, and a marking of a people uh, to declare the goodness of the Lord and to fight on his behalf. So I was like, okay, Lord, you're you're definitely in this and you're definitely on this. And so, yeah, uh, Exodus 33, verse 14, the story of Moses taking higher ground. Yes, Lord. And he said, that's God, and God said, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Then he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I love it. Moses' response is, I don't want to go anywhere unless your presence is going with us. I don't want to get a new career if your presence is not going with us. I do not want to date this person or be married to this person if your presence is not with us. I do not want to move somewhere. I do not want to do X, Y, and Z unless your presence goes up with us. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. I love this heart of Moses. What is he saying here? I, I, I want you to go with us, not even for my own benefit. I don't want you to go with us just so that we can go into the land of promise. I don't want you to just go with me, Lord, so that the church can fulfill more of its mission. Lord, I, I don't want you just to go with us so that I can make more money or get a better career or whatever my problem is, you solve it. His response here is, I want you to go with us, because if you don't go with us, even if things work out okay, the world will not know who you are. The world will not know that you've called out this tribe, this people, to bear your presence. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please show me your glory. Moses says to God, please show me your glory. He doesn't say, Show me the promised land. He doesn't show me, he doesn't say, show me deliverance. He says, show me your glory, your kavod, your shekinah, your presence. Then he said, this is God speaking, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. I want to say this again because this is important for a New Testament context. You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Why? Because no man shall see me and live. Mm. So, as I was saying, I really, really believe that the Lord is calling me as an individual, and I believe us as a church, and really the church at large, to go and take higher ground. Now, what is the taking of higher ground? The taking of higher ground is the mountain, the mountain of the Lord, to come and see him face to face in the glory, in his presence. You know, I know there's, it, it, there is the common teaching out there about the, the seven cultures, uh, seven mountains of influence, the cultural mountains. I, I really do appreciate and like that teaching for those of you that know what we're talking about. But really what I feel like the Lord is saying to you is there's, there is a mountain. There is another mountain. There is another mountain that we need to be focusing on as well. And it actually should be the priority. And it's the mountain of the Lord. Right? We, we're spending a lot of time wanting to influence different impo- important aspects and institutions in our society. It's a good thing. The Lord is saying, come on up. Come, come on up to the mountain of the Lord and see my face. But if you see my face, you're going to die. Now, this, uh, this obviously uh, is connecting to, uh, as I said at the end of service, or actually at the beginning of, of, of preaching, to the story of Esther, the story of Purim, which we were just coming out of. Right, those of you that know, right, Esther and her uncle Mordecai are living in Persia, and what's happening here is there's an evil man by the name of Haman who really has a spirit of anti-Semitism on his life, and he's going to try to kill all of the Jewish people in Persia. And the Lord raises up a servant. Okay? But it was also really profound, not to get you all uh, you know, squirmy. It's the only book of the Bible where the name God is not mentioned. Interesting. That might be another servant. I don't know. We'll see. So let's read uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 13. And Mordecai the uncle told them to answer Esther. This is verse 13. Do not think in your heart, that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. Remember, Esther has been brought up into the king's palace. She feels that maybe she's safe, and he's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. If Haman has his way, and that spirit is going to kill and wipe out the Jewish people, you're not going to be safe in even the king's palace. For you, Esther, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise to the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Man, we love that verse, man. We love that verse. They were born for such a time as this. And I want to unpack that a little bit and connect it to Moses and the cleft of the rock here. It's a great question. For maybe you were born for such time as this. But I feel like in the church, we don't really ask questions in response. It's funny, right? Christians, like, we, 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 just, we just try to come up with the answers. Uh, but the funny thing is that the Israelites in the scriptures, they're always questioning God. Like, what do you mean? Really? How come you're not doing this? How come you're doing that? What do you mean by this? Can I do this? Or this? I mean, that's what, that's what the Bible is. There's a dialogue. Damn it. Why, to God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you doing this? Remember Abraham? Come on, Lord. Like, it's, it's not like there's, all, there's at least some people in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah that, aren't, that haven't turned their head. Come on. Like, God wants us to engage him. Right? Engage him. Yes, you can engage him with the question. So, yeah, okay, fine. You were born for such a time. Is this okay? Well, okay, let's have a question here. And that is, okay, what does that even mean? A lot of us will say, well, because, you know, we, we were born for such a time as this. The Lord wants to raise us up like Esther. There's a destiny on our life. He wants us to make impacts of the kingdom of God on planet Earth and all of this good, awesome, powerful stuff. But I've got to be honest, I'm not satisfied with that. If I and you were born for such a time as this, what does this mean, Lord? I was born again... And I stepped into a destiny. But you know what? I'm going to be honest, man. I've been hanging out with, some, with some, some people from the underground church in the Middle East. And I'm telling you, it is time for the Big C Church and Bristol Hope Assembly to grow up again. I was born for such a time as this. I want to be born again. and I want to grow up again and be transformed into his likeness. That's how, I'm not satisfied with this because we have a destiny in our life. Fine, Lord. I want to be molded into the image of Jesus. I just don't want a greater, larger 401k. I don't just want a larger church. I want to be molded into the image of Christ. That is what your destiny is. And if that is not your destiny first... You've just made God a commodity yeah, that's it. to give you what you want with apparently scarce resources, right? So with that, let's, let, let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I was reading that at, the, at uh, the tail end of worship. Oh, Jesus, we just asked you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and open up the soil right now. I've been sitting on this message for a couple weeks now, Lord. I just ask for you to open the soil. Water it right now in the spirit, dear Jesus. All right, Matthew 13, verse 1. We're going to go a little further back from what we were discussing in worship. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns or thistles, and the thorns, thistles sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirsty, thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, right now, let us have ears to hear. The parable of the sower explained. Verse 18. Buckle in your seatbelts here. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches them away. What was sown in his heart, this is he who received seed by the wayside. There's a good and very good chance that if you're, Tukus is in the seat right now, you're probably not in that category. Praise the Lord. But there's two other options. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The gospel. I receive it with joy. Yet, He has no root. He has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. If there ever was a time to evaluate this type of believer, it is 2020, 2021. Any trial, any tribulation, any difficulty, any pushback, Gone. See ya. But you received the gospel with joy. You had no root. Right? You didn't dig in deep. You understand, man? It's a principle. It's a gardening principle. I had a good friend of mine that was a, uh, an arborist. And I was planting some, uh, some bushes and stuff. And, and uh, she said, well, make sure that you don't water the plant. I'm like, what are you talking about? You put a seed in the soil, you put a plant or a bush in the soil, the first thing you do is water it. Duh, I'm like, I'm not an arborist. And I know that. Just don't water it. So it's like, uh, okay. If you water it, the roots won't go down deep, they'll stay shallow, won't be strong. A little trial. The tribulation, the perfection of our faith causes the root of the gospel to go deeper than the surface, man. And when anything else comes, hell or high water, before the trumpet sounds, you're ready. You're blooming in and out of season, the the scripture says. Making your bed, making your life by the living waters, Psalm 1. Amen? Amen? And where was I? (laughs) Oh, he stumbles. I don't want to see the church stumble, man. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bear, bears fruit and produces some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Okay? Now, what we have here is th- uh, thistles, right? The thistles are choking out. The thorns are choking out the growth of the believer. And I feel like the Lord was just saying, and, and I really believe Clayton, if you guys were here for the healing night on Saturday night, he was, he was speaking into this. Uh, and it was this, this concept that, look, sometimes the thistles and the cares of the world are not just flat-out blatant sin. Right. Sometimes it's not like you just choosing a simple lifestyle. Sometimes it's 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 a, a hardness of heart. Sometimes it's an element of bitterness. Sometimes it's just cares of other things. Now, obviously, when we say it like that, it sure sounds like sin, right? But it doesn't have to be like these big, overt things, right? Thistles are those things that are gonna choke you out. Distractions. Hardness of heart. Or dare I say, taking the Lord's presence even for granted. Taking the Lord's presence for granted. And so some modern thistles here, man. We were born for such a time as this, and what does this even mean? I feel like this Purim season, with us being asked to be marked, it's really this. It, 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 as, as the story of Esther goes, as Mordecai says to Esther, if you do not speak up, what will happen? The Lord will will, will, will raise someone else up. Man, that's tough. Don't, Don't you worry about the kingdom. Don't you worry about the kingdom. The Lord is calling you to do something in the Spirit. I don't care how small or how big. If you don't do it, the Lord will find someone else. It's just you won't have the crown to lay at His feet. I want the crown to lay at His feet, I want to be in His destiny. His destiny, not the destiny that I have for myself. And so what I feel what the Lord is saying here is that today the Lord is saying, speak up, but speak up to yourself. Arise and don't perish. Don't perish from the thistles. Okay, perish. What do I mean? I'm not talking about hell's fire. Like, that's like Christianity one-on-one. Okay, we can move past that, right? Paul says, man, really? Really, I have to still teach you the milk of the word? When I talking about hell's fire, I am talking about your individual calling before the king of kings and the living God. I'm talking about the ultimate calling, your place before him. On the mountain of the Lord, where you are exposed and you see his glory and you descend from the mountain, all aglow, radiating like Moses. That's what I'm talking about. And I think sometimes when we're thinking about so much of the Christianese, we forget about one of the penultimate ultimate destinies of a believer. To be transformed into his likeness from glory to glory to we see Christ Jesus face to face. I'm not going to have you raise hands because we're all in church and everyone's going to raise their hands. You ask yourself, where is your heart in that matter? Do you want to ascend the hill of the Lord, not for the bigger house, not just to feel happy, not just to feel good, for the sole purpose of eternity? I want to behold my maker and see the beauty of the Son of God. Anything else, Lord? I beg you. Let it fall away from the church. We are sons and daughters, man. We are sons and daughters that have been told that we get to sit at his banqueting table. And his banner over me is love. Anyone remember that from the 90s, right? Come on. And so, look, I mean, I have no idea where you're at with things. I don't know. I just know the Lord is speaking to me. And I believe this is a little, a little bit of a prophetic message to, to give you a little fire underneath the, uh, you know, the old rear end here. And I feel the Lord is saying, and I think, I mean, actually, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this one out, right? In the last year and a half, has it been a year and a half already? All right, the last year, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be nice. In the last year, There are people, there are ministries, there are churches that are very clearly keeping back and not climbing or ascending the hill of the Lord. Now, they always were, and we always were, yes or no, but it's just everything that's going on planet earth is just really just exposing it and letting us see it. And I've taught on that before. Uh, and so let me grab the second Bible here. Uh, Psalms 24. Let's, let's just see a little response here. <clears throat> uh, I really wanted to, to read this uh, in the original because it, it's, it, there's, there's a power in the spirit, I think, when we do this. I'm not trying to get gimmicky. Okay. This ancient question... It's not just a modern question. Not just a question for you sitting in your seat right now. It is a question for every believer for hundreds and really thousands of years. Psalm twenty-four, verse three. Mi yaleh bahar Adonai, u'mi ya'kum b'makom kedusho, naki kafis vebar lev, asher lo nase lasho nafshi. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. An ancient question. Lord, David, going to God. Hey, man. So, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? How do we do it? And it gets dropped in his spirit. What gets dropped in his spirit? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who... Clean hands, pure heart, has not lifted their soul, their mind to an idol. I really do feel that the Lord is, is, is talking to us right now. To say, I want you to be marked. I want you to be marked for a generation. I want you to be set apart for me. Really, I believe it's, it's largely an Isaiah 6 moment. Isaiah, Yeshua, right? His name means God is salvation. That's portaled up to the heaven. The heaven, you know, into the throne room essentially, right? And, and he's, he's beholding the, the glory of the Lord. He's like, I cannot enter, Lord. I'm not clean. Then he sees the tongues, right? The coals, pure purifies his lips. He recites, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the Lord comes to him and responds, I need someone to go out and to be my emissary. I need someone to be marked by for a generation. And Isaiah is undone. How can you not be undone before the throne of God? And this is underneath an Old Testament paradigm. Without the blood of Jesus, surely... Sorry if I got too loud there. Surely, we start working on the mic. Surely you would die if you saw him face to face in the throne room, right? But, but he's there and his, his, and his response is, of course, I will go. I hear you. Here I am. Send me, Lord to be marked for a generation. I really believe there is this Exodus 33 moment where the Lord is saying, are you going to ascend the mountain of the Lord and be worked on and be changed and behold my presence? When I say behold my presence, guys, I am not, I want to clarify, I'm not talking about like the touchy-feelys. I am literally talking about engaging and encountering the physical manifestation of the presence of God in our midst. I'm not talking theoretical. I'm not talking philosophical, although that's nice as well. I want to encounter Him. I believe the, church, the, the Lord is saying to the church in the 21st century is, many of you have met Jesus, but you haven't quite encountered Him yet. I want to behold Him. I want to see him in the spirit and hey, it's possible in the physical, amen. So the Lord is saying here that he really wants us to have a deeper encounter. And really, it's an encounter that will burn away all of the dross, all of the impurities, so that we can be transformed into his image. The flesh gone and the spirit rising up. But here's the clarity. I was born for such a time as this. Okay, Lord, another question. For what purpose? For what purpose do you want me to behold your beauty? For what purpose or which purpose do you want me to ascend the hill of the Lord? So the Lord would be hallowed, made holy on planet earth. That we would see the multiplication of the big C church due to the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And so, I like questions. Okay. What keeps us from entering in? What keeps us from ascending the hill of the Lord? It's very simple. The script tells us you don't have clean hands, you don't have a clean heart, and you lifted your soul up to an idol. Now, I know, I know, I know, and I respect people out there. I don't want to come down too hard, but people are like, well, I got Jesus i got Jesus and I'm positioned and I'm in a place where I can just receive him and be there. Amen, brother or sister. But something's off because I don't see any power. With all due respect, if I just have Jesus and then everything is given to me, how come the church is not on fire like the book of Acts? I 100% believe that if we understand who we are and we step into who we are, That we can be moving in the power of the book of Acts. But with all due respect for people who are like, well, I have Jesus and I'm already there. No, you're not. You're not there. Have you raised someone from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost? Have you done that yet? That's in the book of Acts. No. Well, then we need to ascend the hill of the Lord and be transformed into his likeness. Because if my rabbi did it, I should be able to do it if I'm his disciple. Yes, I have Jesus, but something's off if the church as individuals or as a collective is not marching out and the truth is marching on. The full gospel. Not just that you're saved. Life lived abundantly. When Jesus walked into a room, did anyone not get healed? No, they all got healed. I mean, Peter's shadow. Just Peter's shadow. I mean, that guy was so much in the glory realm realm, that his shadow (laughs) healed the sick and I think even raised the dead, right? Or is it just healing the sick? I forget. Just healing the sick. Thank you. Come on, man. Come on, man. I hear the trumpet sounding very soon. I'm going to be real with you. 2020, 2021, it, time is over. Time is over. Okay? You can no longer play church. It's cute. Playing church is very cute. It's cute when my two year old plays kitchen with little plastic materials. I'm telling you right now, playing church in the Western church has sailed. The harbor said goodbye. It is out there, man. You can't get away with it anymore. There's too much opposition, and more importantly, not silly opposition, there's too much at stake. What's at stake? The power of the gospel and the kingdom of God revealed on planet Earth, in our streets, in our homes, in our schools. You can't play church anymore. Praise God for whom all blessings flow, including COVID, because it's a good kick in the rear end. It's time to get after it. It's time to ascend the hill of the Lord. I want to be changed. I want to radiate your presence. So when people come in contact with me, they are undone and they are changed. And they submit their lives to the cross. If you're not doing that, then it is simply a lovely social club. Right? We've all heard that. What did Reiki say? He said, right, if you don't have enough Holy Spirit, then you just need more coffee and donuts to keep the people in the church. <laughs> Come on. I know I know, you guys are not on that material, because if you, if you were, let's be honest. Let's be honest is not the church that you would go to, <laughs> right? The staff is bivocational, technology doesn't work, we don't have all this kind of stuff that's all fitting together, it's in a rough town, it's a little bit of a drive, blah, 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 blah. And look, I'm not defaming or demeaning other churches. There are churches that have very nice things and are doing things well who are going after it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Maybe one day we'll have all of that too. <laughs> but maybe not. doesn't matter man because I'll tell you what just like King David I'm going to say you know what the armor of Saul doesn't fit this man right the things of the world don't fit us people we are called to be like fishermen and as Jose says if you're called to be a fisherman you better smell like fish you got to be amongst the people man you got to be in it in it to win it so and the question: What keeps us from ascending? I think one part is. Well, I really. I think all of it is. Is God oh, be honest? All it just looks differently. It's a. Uh, it's a. Aliyah. Uh, I think it is in Hebrew. Uh, it's. It's. Uh, it's idols. It's the idol. Idol. Anything that is raised up over Jesus. It's a lot of different things. You know. What? One is this, man. Your identity. What keeps you from ascending the hill of the Lord? What keeps you from reading his likeness? There are people, it's crazy, there are people in the church either express it or unfortunately they carry it. They carry a spirit, and I've come in contact with it. It's like, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to ascend the hill of the Lord. I have too much junk. I have too many problems. I'm just me. Why would a God want to do this with me? I blah 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 blah. All of this junk. Bro Moses killed a man. Moses killed a man. Lord, I'm going to give you an identity. I'm a God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. There are people and there are systems and there's faulty theology that says you're not worthy to carry the book of acts. Because you're not an apostle. No, 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 no. We get to carry the anointing that was on the book of Acts. In fact, this is going to be even, even a greater outpouring in the book of Joel. So I don't know what we're talking about here. But here's the thing. If you think and you believe that you are not worthy, Hebrews chapter 10 says, man, you demean the power of the cross. You trample the crucifix underfoot. The blood of Jesus has become cheapened if you choose to receive and accept that kind of mentality. I'm just me. I can't preach the gospel. It's just me. I can't pray for someone. It's just me. I can't raise my hands. It's just me. I'm just not good enough. Holy cow, man. The serpent has gotten so interwoven into your spirit, man, that he has made you to believe a thing and a place that you've actually cheapened the power of the cross. Don't want to cheapen the power of the death and the resurrection? Yeah. You shall go before kings and queens and preach the gospel. You, the plural, not you, Jamie Fitt. You, for all future generations of those who bear the power of the cross and the presence of the Holy Ghost, anyone who ascends the hill of the Lord and does not bow down to the idols of man, you shall go before kings and queens. You shall go into the nations and preach and teach and lay your hands on the sick and get people healed. And yes, pray in tongues. That's what the Bible says. But you've got to adopt the identity. I am a son. Boom. Period. I am a bondservant of Christ. Boom. Period. Everything. Everything everything that is me needs to go you're worthy you're so worthy that God stopped all of eternity and came down how can you think you're not worthy Paul or Apollos in the book of Hebrews you cheapen the blood of Jesus You cheapen the blood of Jesus if you don't think you can come to a place where Jesus has called you to. Some of you need to hear that. Come on, man. Psalm 51. I've been purged with hyssop. Not just any hyssop. It's a hyssop which is the blood of not just any lamb, but the lamb of God. I've been purged. You've been purged. I mean, Romans 8.15, just for those that, you know, aren't believing me here, right? Romans 8.15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God as joint heirs with Christ, if indeed Now, I don't hear it is too much on the popular magazines, on the popular podcasts. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I am an heir if I choose to suffer with him. This isn't me just seeking suffering. This isn't me just like, oh, beat myself up. What is the suffering? I believe that the spirit is on here. What is the suffering? The suffering is the suffering of peeling back the flesh. (laughs) If you want to be molded into the new Adam, I'm telling you right now, you will have to suffer great cost. And it's not not necessarily some totalitarian regime that's going to take your rights away. It is you... Saying to the quote unquote rights of the sinful Adam because of sin You no longer have rights in this being, in this temple You have to be the totalitarian You need to go after it and say no Sin, you no longer have right I've been molded, I've been born again, and now I'm grown up again I'm ascending the hill of the Lord, of my God, to be transformed into his likeness, for the power of the gospel to be expressed in my generation because I want to be marked. I want to be marked! So, maybe it's an identity thing. That's an idol. You've made your identity, and who you think you are, something to be worshipped. No, who I am is more powerful than the cross. Woo! I mean, if you really break it down like that, I mean, it sounds like a fortune cookie, but if you just break it down like that, you have just made it an idol. Oh, it's going to burn. i telling you, man. The oven top is just on simmer. It's going to burn away. Really, what I think it largely comes down to is, you know, well, fast food Christianity. Maybe it's just inconvenience. Maybe we don't want to be molded, because, you know, it's inconvenient. I like the idol. I like the thing. I like the image. I like who I think I am. Ah, it's not attainable. Doesn't everyone sin? Oh, Jesus didn't. Always inconvenient. There's a lack of devotion. You made an idol of the things of, war, of the world. Maybe you made an idol of what church looks like, what just being a good Christian and just stepping into that role, and that's good enough. No, man, it's, it's, I mean, it's good enough to get into the pearly white gates, but it's not good enough to have a demonstration of the power by the Spirit of God, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Inconvenience. Do we remember the words of Paul the Apostle? He says, I pray, I get down on my knees and pray that you know the height, the, the depth, the width, the breadth, all those kind of funky words, right? I always mess up. What is it, height, length, depth, breadth, depth? Really, it depends on the translation, but you know what I'm saying, right? That you would know the all-encompassing power of the love of God to understand it and know it. That's awesome. But you know what he also says here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10? I miss this. You know, I'm going to go back to number 8. Why not? And Mary, if you can come on down, please. Right? Chapter 3, verse 8. Yet indeed I, this is Paul, yet indeed I also count all things loss. All things, man. This isn't just like your 401k. We're talking about all things lost, Like your image, what you think church should be like. You know, being a nice little cookie cutter Christian. I have counted all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. This is like saying the old man is rubbish. The old way of thinking is rubbish. The old way of doing church is rubbish. It is an old plastic 10-year-old kitchen set for a kid that's going out to the trash. It's rubbish. I want to play real. Everything else is garbage. Waste of my time. Waste of the Lord's time. Yet indeed I also count all things lost to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness righteous, <laughs> righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him. I mean if you don't have a Bible out right now you got to go get it. We have him in every other seat in the rows. you got. It. You got to plug into this right here. Verse 10, chapter 3, Philippians. That I, this is Paul praying, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I want the church praying like that again. I want to know your suffering and a death and resurrection. What does Jesus mean here? It means the death of the flesh, right? The suffering between Jacob and Esau inside of you, the the, the wrestling between the carnal man and the spirit man is what's going on here. just like in the story of esther for those that have read and those who are aware jesus is wanting to make the bride ready and as esther was being perfumed for the coming of the king the lord is looking for us to be perfumed made into his likeness because the trumpet is going to sound and so i don't know if any of you have a garden but if you do, you know what these things are. Don't they look so pretty? No. Thistles, thorns. Oh, we had this thistle go into our tomato patch or tomato whatever, and that thing, man, it was taking over. You'd rip the top off, but the roots were so deep they would bang, pop right back up. You had to wear work gloves, because so those things, man, they hurt. They really hurt. The thistles of the world are so effective. And I'm telling you right now that the only way to be free of the thistle is to burn the thistle to ignite it by flame. It's the only way. I learned this. I made a mistake a couple years ago. I took the thistle and I don't know what I was thinking. I was such a rookie. I took the thistles out and I put them in the compost. and root all in the compost. Mm. I don't know if my wife knows that, but that's why the thistles came back so hard. But <laughs> so all these thistles. So how do they multiply like this? I put it in the compost. It broke down, but the seeds are still there. The, what you got to do with thistles is you literally, in the physical and in the spirit, you need to ignite that thing of flame and burn. Burn it. I want to ascend the hill of the Lord. And people say, as I was saying, I have Jesus. Of course I can ascend the hill of the Lord. Yes, that is absolutely theologically true. But I'm telling you here, it's one part position and knowing who you are in Christ. But there has to be another level of fire. To burn away the sinful Adam in our life. Come on, man. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus speaking, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I want to see the power of the Lord, not just like a big, woo, the power of the Lord. I want to see the power of the Lord so that we can see people's lives transformed. So, all the junk of life, all the little closeted sins, can be exposed, ripped up, and then burned by holy fire. We don't see it because of the thistles. We don't see the full manifestation of the kingdom of God in our communities because of the thistles, the cares, the things that choke out the idols. Esther 4.14, Mordecai to Esther. If you remain silent at this time, remember I was telling you that you can't remain silent anymore. You need to speak to yourself, right? Please take this in context. Stop thinking about changing the world if you haven't made your own bed yet, right? Make your own bed, make your own junk, and then going to go out organically with fire, So if you remain silent at this time, if you do not speak to yourself, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family's family will perish. And who knows, but that you were born for such a time as this, and those of you that were here since last year, this is going to be a little bit more heavy. See. This right here is not the most profound part of the book of Esther, although everyone speaks it. The real profound, profound section of the scripture and the story of Esther is this. If I perish, I perish. I'm going to ask you this. You heard or rather saw that slide this time exactly last year. Did you perish? Because this is the thing, man, Jesus is saying here, don't make perishing an option. He actually wants you to perish. A little trick here. Esther, if I perish, I perish, so I'm just going to do whatever the Lord wants, and if I die, I die. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to make me die. I want you to die. I want your flesh to die, to be consumed by blood, by water, and then fire of God. Blood, the crucifixion, water, the baptism, in that tank up there, and then a baptism of fire. Blood, water, fire. Some people get blood, they don't get water. Some people get blood and water, and they have no fire. They have no baptism of fire, and that's true because the church does not look like the book of Acts. And if our lives don't look like the book of Acts, we got to say, Lord, how come I'm not ascending the hill the way that I want to, or rather the way that you've called me to? The answer is simple. Pure hearts. Pure lips, pure eyes, and in fact, don't don't lift up an idol in your life. The idol is not just pornography. The, The idol of your life is not just watching more TV. The idol of your life is the image of what a Christian looks like that you place in your heart. It's good enough. Idol. It's not good enough until you look and smell like Jesus. I don't stop, man. I don't stop this Christian walk until I look like him. Until I smell like him, until I do what he does. And for all the people that have a Baptist background, with all due respect, he does in fact say, You will do even greater things than I have. Jesus healed, he raised people from the dead. Greater things. Why not, Lord? Because you haven't crucified the flesh. Galatians 5, 24. And those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, and closing up. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? And so I want to be marked. I want to go to the place of higher ground. But I'm telling you, it's only going to happen when we receive a fire that burns away the thistles. It's going to happen when we say no to the idol. I want to set my gaze on the Lord. Uh, Jamie and Ruth, could you, if, if, if you have time, could, could you come on down? If not, I, if you have to get going, I totally understand. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're going to speak to the thistles right now, the cares of the world. Oh, Jesus. As a prophetic demonstration, it's funny, I wore a watch today. That's what it looks like to not, not, not lift your eyes to an idol. We've got to make space for the fire of God. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you've received a baptism by blood, praise the Lord. But if you haven't been baptized by water, we've got to do it. I'm telling you right now, if you have not been baptized in water, get up into that tank. We'll get a jug of water. We're going to pour it on your head. But, if you came here today, and in your heart you say, Lord, I've been missing something. I encourage you this. It's because you're yearning for a baptism baptism of fire that will burn away the dross, the thistles, and empower you with the power of the Holy Ghost. No, not any one individual has arrived. They haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. Scripture says, lay hands and pray that they will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts, right? Peter comes upon people and he says, have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? They say, yes, I've been baptized in the name of Jesus. He says, well, have you been baptized also in the fire of God and by the Holy Spirit? They say, no, what's this? He says, well, there's a second baptism. It's a baptism of fire so that you're empowered for the power of the gospel and you're empowered to take a look at the draws, take a look at the thistles and say no more. Come on, we'll get the jugs of water. You just come and tell me, anyone who needs to be baptized by water, because you have not been baptized by water yet, we got jugs of water right up there. You get a little wet, it's okay. And then those who want and desire to say, I want to be baptized by the fire of God. I want to ascend the hill of the Lord, no longer cast my eye on the idols of man, nor the idols of the church. It's time. Because playing church, at least in this house, Sail a long time. Have a wonderful week. We have a time of prayer for those that want, for those topics. If you want to have a time of, 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 uh, of community gathering, totally cool, we love it. Just go over to the multi-purpose room, maybe Glenn, you could shut the bifold doors when, when and if that time comes. Everyone else, have a wonderful week. Hope to see you on Wednesday for prayer. We're just going to sit and reside to see and experience the fire of God, to change us and transform us into his likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. We are here for you.